Uh, I should say you're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. That's uh, you and I. Yep. And I, of course, uh, read a story from American history each week to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. You also didn't say your name there, David. So I didn't? No. Nope. Hi, I'm Dave Anthony. No, it's just way, just not good. So The energy's already off for this, so yeah, I mean, thrown look, it off a lot. Um, okay, so I'll just say it's hard to focus when you're, you're watching Pinochet take over. It's just you're out of focus. You know what I mean? <laughs> Now Dave, I know. Dave, now I know. Compartmentalize. Just let what? the world around you fall apart and just focus up on doing the history podcast. But what could be more important than this? Um, well, okay. You put it that way. Thank you. I got to say, I now know like, what it, w- it was like for, um, for people who were podcasting in uh, Chile in 1973. Yes, those some chilling episodes as well. For yeah, sure. I mean, it was hard to focus and it's just all that stuff. So yeah. uh, shout, yeah. out to, shout out to my leftist brothers and sisters in uh, 1973 Chile. Yep. Uh, my, my podcast leftist, I get it now, you guys. I didn't yep. get it before. No. Now I get it. You know, it's crazy... How many times must we podcast through tragedy, you know, like and, cha- and c- c- tremendous swings like this? That's right. How many times are podcasters going to say we see this coming without people listening? This podcasters said it in Germany in the 30s. Yep. Uh, like you said, Pinochet, there's been so many times podcasters Ceausescu, said, the Romanian podcast about Ceausescu. Is, 100, 100%. They actually, they didn't even know they were recording that one. That's right. It was just through a lamp, that, and it was eventually edited. <laughs> and called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy! Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like anarchy! On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> Come on, Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo! No sleep tell hippo! Uh, action part. Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Rhoda. Rhoda at the court. You feel better? Yeah. Yeah, I feel good. Thank you. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, it was nice. Yeah, it's always nice to hear you do that. Do your thing. That's all I, that's all I get is nice. Okay. Everything I put into it. What's going on right now? (laughs) (laughs) Permission to treat the co-host is hostile. No. Permission permission denied. No. Permission granted. No. Just grant yourself permission. What a lunatic. I'm the judge. What? That's not how it would even. And the prosecutor. I'm the prosecuting co-host as well as the judge. What sort and, of judicial... And this podcast is now uh, a hostile podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that means. We're not near each other. William... Oh, I got to do the date. 
March 29th, 1937. Year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me guess. This is a William. Say a quick prayer. How did you know? Well, someone, someone uh, did what we used to call in uh, eighth grade uh, a biff. You biffed. William Alton Carter was born in Plains, Georgia. Okay. William uh, had a 12-year-old brother, Jimmy. And oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, yummy. <laughs> and two older sisters, Ruth and Gloria. The Carter family okay. had been in America for a long time and in North Carolina since the 1780s. Okay, so a good stretch. Yeah. That's right. We've all been on the same farm since then. <laughs> so Billy's mother was not in good health for several months after Billy was born. So her doctor, Dr. Wise, prescribed three cans doctor of beer a day. Part, well, slow your roll, sir. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Dr. Wise is prescribing three beers a day? That's right. Let me guess. His first name's Bud. <laughs> <laughs> prescribes three cans of beers a day to enrich her milk and increase her strength. Enrich her... Dave, there is just so much going on. Enrich her milk? Can I get that, can I get that taken out of my head, please? It gets you ready to party. You know what I mean? Now, this is a bit of party milk. Now, as Dr. Wise, you understand, uh, I'm going to pres- write you a prescription here for three cans of beer a day, okay? <laughs> this is so crazy. What a great what what a what a great time to be a doctor. There's the, this is the worst time to be a doctor because you're actually like people know like there's a lot more not back then you're like three beers, man. All right, <laughs> I'll see myself out. Uh, so in 1904, the family moved to Plains, Georgia. Now he's been called Billy at this point. Um, okay. The family soon owned a successful peanut farm and business. Young Billy had a stutter. And uh, that led to him not doing well in school. His father died in 1953 when Billy was just 16 years old. Okay. Now, Jimmy uh, was in the Navy, and he returned from the Navy to run the family business. Okay. And this upset Billy, who thought he was going to take over the business. Okay, but... Okay, but... but what is Billy doing? Have we haven't really heard much about? Uh... He's in high school. Oh, he's just and he's and he expects to run the business in high he school. He thought he was gonna. Yeah, I'm not sure if he thought it when he was 18, but he thought he was gonna run the business. Okay. Uh, now he's not. Okay. Sure. All right. It's a it's 16 year old dreams. So you're like, look, I'm I'm a junior in high school. It's time for me to run a, a an actual business. I'm ready to be in charge of an organization. <laughs> Uh, Billy graduated in 1955, and the next day he joined the Marines. Okay, Jesus, what's with the rush? I don't know. Who doesn't want to have a little fuck around time? I mean, especially, I mean, just take the summer. Yeah, take June, for God's sakes. It's really, so he married his high school sweetheart, Sybil Spires, two months later, um, and then they would crank out kids. They would crank out six kids uh, over their Jeez. marriage. Uh, in 1959, okay. uh, Billy gets out of the Marines. He comes back to Plains, Georgia. Hello. Ha! Huh. And he ends up driving a truck for the family business. And he has a part of it. He has a, a percentage of the business. Uh, okay. So, and this, the business is the peanuts still? 
Yeah, it's uh, okay. it's a two it's a two part business. There's the farm, and then there's the uh, a warehouse where they other farmers bring in their peanuts and they you know shell them and do whatever else with them and ship. This them is out. like most parents' nightmares. Well, then we take your child to the peanut field and then to the peanut <laughs> fair. Oh my god, not Billy! He can't be around nuts. <laughs> This, uh, could you imagine if you if you were born into a peanut family and then you had a peanut allergy? Jesus. Oh man! Well, look. I mean, as we know, we probably have done stories on that. It's just like two of them didn't make it through the fall. <laughs> so, so Billy uh, ends up going to Emory University in Atlanta for two years, but then he got kicked out for bad grades and also because he turned in a term paper that had been written by someone else. Mm. Well. <laughs> So he got a job in Macon, uh, it's also in Georgia, and in 1962, Jimmy decided to get into the world of politics, so Billy came back to the business, which is called Carter's Warehouse, and he gradually took it over. Well, 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 look who comes crawling back to old Billy. (laughs) Peanuts now, huh? No, I'm Billy now, right? Oh, How much back, different I do I it. sound? Yeah, crawling it back. It sounds exactly like Jimmy. That's why I'm a little confused. No, there's a huge difference. I'll show you right now. Okay. okay. Now. Hi there. I'm Jimmy Carter. Hi. And hi, I'm Billy Carter. No, it's I'm really... with the Carter brothers. That is a subtle difference, you see. I'm a bit more nasally and lower, and I'm a hard talker. I'm talking a lot higher. It's really not great. It's really not. It, there's Listen. zero noticeable difference. Come to my Sunday Carter classes. <laughs> So, so Billy turns out to be a very good businessman. The company is okay. soon making $5 million a year. His okay, Uncle wow. Hugh said he was, quote, one of the most capable and smartest businessmen that I know, the man who skillfully built his family's peanut business into a multi-million dollar operation. Yeah, right. We're worth peanuts, but that's a good thing. Uh-huh. So he helped improve planes, and he even uh, funded an effort to stop segregation in private schools. So he's okay. a, a little bit, for the time, a progressive Southern Democrat, I would say. Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, Jimmy w- was successful in politics, and he was elected governor of Georgia in 1971. By the way, even for now, I think he would be considered a little progressive in the South. <laughs> yeah, I think so, definitely not. What did Jimmy do? What did you just say? Jimmy became governor in 1971. Okay. I couldn't have done it without myself. Billy's wardrobe, mostly jeans and button-on shirts. Everything he had was well-ironed and starch, even his handkerchiefs and underwear. What? That's so weird. Underwear? (laughs) Just in case today I'll get... Just in case today I'll meet the one. The last thing I want to do is get in trouble for having wrinkly underpants. I think that's a military thing. I also ironed my scrotum. It was looking a little wrinkly. I didn't know how far you were going to go, so I, I took the liberty of taking out and starching my ball bag. What? Well, I, I have finally pressed underwear, and then uh, if we're so lucky as to remove the underwear, I think you'll find under there a nubile scrotum. It looks like it's of a baby. That's right, because I took the time to press it and starch it for you. So, Okay. I just want to move on because it's really upsetting. Well, I just wanted to, I just wanted to let you know that in my scrotum, you're not, you're not going to see a whole lot of wrinkles. And if you do, they've been caused by the day's wear. <laughs> I don't need to know. So it's all fine. right. Well, all right. Just want to let you know. Okay. Well, don't. Yeah. 
You'd look at it. It, 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 do, it doesn't look like an old man's elbow. Let's say that. <laughs> okay, got to Okay, got to go. Got to get All away right. from you. Yeah. All right. He created uh, Billy created a fashion system around peanut season. A fashion system. So he had a set of clothes he wore during peanut harvesting season. <laughs> this is my dream. This is what I need this. Because he lost a lot of weight because he was working so much. Oh, and then, what? And then, he had a, and then he had a second set of clothes he wore for peanut season because he started to put weight back on. <laughs> wow. That's like if a bear could dress itself. <laughs> and then he had a third set for what? when everything was, when it was the slow time and he was at his heaviest. Wow. Wow. We, that is actually pretty smart. <laughs> it is. We, yeah, we should all start doing that a little bit more. Like, I, just, think, I, I literally think he would be like, honey, it's time for my uh, slow, slow time peanut outfits. And she would go and get the heavier clothes. Darling, will you do me a favor and go grab my fatties? <laughs> it's That's really amazing. Crazy. Wow, that's like that's amazing. Oh boy, well I'm not going to see you till the fall. Hello hard working clothes man. So in 1972 Billy bought an old Amico service station in Plains. The previous owner had uh, it was basically a hangout spot for his friends and and he was he he was retiring and old so he, he wanted to get rid of it and Billy wanted to keep that going. He wanted it to be a hangout place. He liked hanging out at the Amco. Yeah. Uh, wow. He I've wanted heard the name Amico in so long, by the way. I haven't thought I know. Amico, like you don't hear around. Yeah. The, uh, he also wanted to be a, quote, beer joint. So he added a back room. He put in an old chair and a trunk seat as a sofa. And out front, he had theater seats that had been taken from the Plains High School Auditorium when it was torn down. I like how he thinks he needs a functioning gas station for this. <laughs> you can't tear down the Amico. No, where, where are we going to take these used bus seats and watch feature films on the television? Uh, and then he had all these beer, you know, coolers and shit. And, uh, and then there were regulars there. Bud Duvall, Hogpen Johnson. Ha, it's me, Hogpen. Randy Coleman, Doug Unger, and Chicken Wishard. Hey, how's everybody doing? Well, I'll tell you what, it's me, Chicken Wishard. I told you, boys, when I die, I want you both to split my thigh. Figure out who gets to wish me back to life. Oh, my God, how great would that be if someone, if that was someone's actual well, will? That, that's what happened to me. I was like a wizard put a curse on me when I was a little boy. <laughs> so I've been living five lifetimes like this under the de- dependence of uh, some of my associates after I pass on to take the bone and to another gentleman to take the side of it and pull on it. And whoever gets the wish half, well, they don't go for the money. They wish me back. <laughs> I'm 600. <laughs> So the guys, uh, everyone at the, at the, uh, this, uh, wait, uh, so the station, it's like a hangout general store, L- lots of beer. Like I said, Billy's the center of it all. His son quote, 
long, hot, and humid summer days somehow alive in a bit when he came through the door as if he brought with him the power to recharge the place. He was profane and funny and loud. Uh, he was a master storyteller. He was the clown. He was the king. Okay. The king of the Amico. That's right. Okay. But oh. so he's a good time Charlie. He's a good time Charlie. Copy. Billy also had a pet goat that followed him wherever he went. Oh, this is fantastic. Billy Goat? That's got to be right. its name. It, no, uh, I don't know. That's I, amazing. I don't know what its name was. I couldn't find it. Oh, to have a goat, like, trail you? Well, now the goat would also follow him into the house. And sure. then when it did that, it would pee behind the stove. <laughs> and Sybil got really mad and told him finally to get rid of it. Well, so, is, and is, was that due to the fact that everything they were making tasted like goat piss? That's right. That okay. was a thing that was not great. Right. So Billy drove uh, the goat to Atlanta in the front seat of his car. <laughs> okay. And now at this time, Jimmy was governor of Georgia, and his right-hand man was named Charles Kerbo. Kerbo was a really uh, fancy Atlanta lawyer at the time. Okay. So Billy took the goat to the office building, up in the elevator... And tied it to Kerbo's desk when Kerbo was out. And then the goat shit all over the carpet. And when Kerbo came, he found it. But he just took the goat home and kept it. <laughs> Kerbo did? Yeah. Wait. What, what sort of... How did nobody talk to anybody about what had happened? <laughs> A guy was like, oh, man. I can't believe I got another one of them uh, desk goats. Well, you're coming home with the others, and we got one rule. No oven pissing. Well, I think they were all friends at this point, and I think uh, Billy was definitely known as a prankster uh, of sorts. So, you know, I'm but sure see, there was... Mo- Dave, most pranks are like, you're like, well, I didn't see that coming. But this one, you're like, the goat shit here. It's like, ha, I got you, motherfucker. You should see your face. You can't well, understand th- what's happening. I've been working on this one for over two months. <laughs> Some pranks are really intense. Yeah, they're for the super great pranks. Some, yeah. Sometimes when there's a prank, you have to uh, completely have all your carpet redone. So, honey, unfortunately, I lost a prank today. That's not how they work. Well, anyway, we got another goat. So Jimmy ran for president in uh, 1976. He starts having success. Now, this was when um, election... Election season was like not, it was like five months, right? Wasn't there, two wasn't, years? No, it wasn't two years. Journalists poured into Plains, Georgia, to cover the campaign, and the press then discovered Billy's gas station. Dude, and they probably, it may as well have been oil shooting out of the ground. <laughs> and beer chugging over the top Billy Carter, who was. How's everyone doing? The opposite of Billy, of Jimmy. So Jimmy is very religious, you know, very pious, very uh, sort of intellectual, you know. And yeah. then Billy's Focused. just and then Billy's... crazy. Uh, whatever comes out of his mouth comes out. He's also very smart, but, you know, he's just. Sure. Soon newscasters like Ed Bradley, Dan Rather, and Tom Brokaw were hanging out at the gas station. Hey, is there uh, any way I could get another one of those delicious Budweiser beers from you, Billy? (laughs) This just in, I'm fucking hammered. (laughs) 
If it was not a big news day, they knew they'd get something out of the crew at the station. Uncle Hugh, quote, the press found themselves getting addicted to Billy's brand of humor as they sat around drinking his beer. So Billy's just a soundbite machine. He right. just cranks them out. Like, quote, right. I've got a redneck, white socks, and blue ribbon beer. <laughs> okay. And they're just writing it down like, this is amazing. He's got a redneck, white socks. Okay, got it. <laughs> and so the stories start hitting the press, and then America is just more and more into Billy and more and more into the, the town of Plains itself. Like so Billy is going viral. Yes, Billy is going okay. viral. Okay. And everyone's just super into this. So Jimmy wins and the presidency. Po- and it's positive. People are like, we like this man. His, yeah, yeah. His- I mean, there's, yeah, it's not negative at all. Everyone's super into, uh, just super into the idea of the town. It's like this, right. this sort of idyllic town to the rest of the country. Okay. Um, and all the guys at the gas station love talking to the press. Sure. Sure. Quote the, quote, the station was home to some of the greatest liars and bullshit artists in the history of the world, and tabloid reporters were nothing more than a light snack before lunch for them. This is at an Amico. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brokaw, Ed Bradley, just sitting on like some auditorium high school seats, just like, <laughs> one more time, Billy. Will you say that again, Billy? Billy and the regulars learned quick how to entertain the press. Billy was not shy with opinions, and he would launch into attacks. Reporters were surprised by his wit and his knowledge of national and international affairs. What they didn't know was that Billy was the most well-read of all the Carters. He read five papers a day and seven books a week. Wow. He would challenge his nieces and nephews if they came into the peanut warehouse to read a headline, and he would summarize the story from any of the wow. papers. Wow. So he's, okay. he's one of those deceptively smart guys. Right. He's one of those guys who's uh, a genius but has three different seasonal wardrobe. But is dividers. that genius or not? Is that That genius? is totally genius. Yeah. That's complete. I mean, yeah. That's like... Uh, Luther Vandross would have saved $200,000 if he'd just been like, don't get hung up on skinny, you, Luther. (laughs) So Jimmy wins the presidency, and Billy goes to the inauguration. All right, it's great to be here. When he boarded the chartered plane in Georgia, he was wearing a denim leisure suit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The family brought their own beer and drinks because they weren't sure there would be enough on the private aircraft. Yes. <laughs> yes. It can't be that long of a flight either. <laughs> no, it's not. Not at all. All right. Well, let's see. We're probably going to need somewhere around 500 beers for the four of us. It's, it's just, just like, t- it's like an hour and a half. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll bring, I guess we could bring about 700. Um <laughs> But we also have whiskey, so let's not forget about that part. But uh, all right, we got 700 beers. Great. In D.C., reporters asked him if he would sleep in the White House, and Billy said no. Quote, I will never spend a night. I will never spend the night in a mansion. <laughs> what a great. Yeah. What a 
what a weird uh, no. But that, but that's the kind of shit that people eat up. You're like, fuck yeah, he won't. He's a fucking yeah. But that's also like, like, look, you can never be part of Scooby's gang. A. Uh, but all, it's such a weird like. Who has thought of? Who has thought? I, I, not sleeping at the White House, I could understand, but being like, no, I'll never sleep in anyone that has more than three bedrooms. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Why? Well, I don't know. Okay. Big houses scare me. I don't like big houses. Don't like them at all. They're too big. When, I like a dog house. I like to I sleep in a dog house, personally. When he was asked about Jimmy winning, he said, quote, I'm just glad the rest of the country finally joined the South. Okay. Okay. Well, it's a big deal and, that he... And what is Jimmy's attitude to his brother's uh, he lo- he, catchphrase? He loves, he loves it. He loves Billy. He loves Billy. I mean, right. you know, so right now it's just that's Billy and he loves right. Billy. They're, they're okay. close and, and he, he's not going to, you know, uh, right. like shun him at this point. Right. That's not going to silence happen. him in any way. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It, it is what it is. And also he, he helped him. He really did. He... During right. the election, that that sort of uh, folksy, you know, local folksy guy, people yeah. fucking loved, and it did nothing yeah. but help uh, Jimmy. So the inauguration. We are actually going to hold the inauguration at my brother's Amico. <laughs> God, that'd be amazing. And again, like I said, th- this is all new. A, a southern a southern guy has not won the presidency right. in a long fucking time. Right. And so to the south, this is kind of like we're back or whatever, you know. Um, right. It's a big deal. Okay. So the inauguration party goes on for five days. Wow. Billy, what? Yeah. You know, it's like inauguration week. They, they do that now. It's still a thing. Billy was pretty well known at this point. At one point, he was in an art gallery with his wife in D.C. because she, she took him. And a man ran from a bar across the street and came in and gave Billy two six-packs of Pabst Blue Ribbon. Ugh. He must have just been like, oh, man, yeah. I don't want to break the emoluments clause. <laughs> I mean, what a great... <laughs> what a, I mean, it, it's terrible, but it's also great. Like, the idea that you're, if you, people know you well enough to just give you six packs... Yeah. It's great for, like, a couple weeks, and then you're like, I can't do this anymore. A UPI reported as they drove from the art gallery to the National Gallery in two cars with a police escort, quote, Billy stretched out in the backseat of the station wagon in his casual blue outfit, opened up a Pabst, and relaxed. Oh, my God. Ah, <laughs> oh, why can't we get another? I know. Later that night, the family uh, tried cappuccino for the very first time. Oh, good Lord. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Mother. Now, I actually uh, sussed about it a little more on how many beers we actually got to... Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. I said, I'm almost finished talking, now. Eh? Just so wired. <laughs> now, I'm on my list of the 100 things I like about beer. Now, number 57. The be- another great thing about beer, all right, once you're done drinking it, you don't have to wash anything. All right? That's a fantastic thing about beer. Okay. Okay. There's... What? Are we... Are you done... No, it's 42 more to go. We've been here for two hours. The Uh, bubbles, number 58, the bubbles. The bubbles are unbelievable. Huh? I'm just saying dinner finished two hours ago, and you've you've kept 
talking about beer. Well, someone said to me, why do you like beer? And I told you, I'll only tell you a hundred reasons why. So number 58 is the bubbles. <laughs> All right? Number 59 is when there's little ice crystals on the side. Sure. That means it's the right temperature for me. Jimmy uh, put the peanut farm into a blind trust. Now, okay. he had majority control, and this is after Watergate, so it's all about you know, doing things ethically in the right way. Oh, dear. What a phase. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy announced rules for administration officials. He said the trust was uh, so any decisions he made regarding agriculture would not affect his income. And he had his longtime advisor, Charles Kerbo, run it. (laughs) Kerbo. I'm going to picture him with the goat. Well, but hold on. So he's like, I'm going to do a blind trust Uh where uh, I don't know anything about the business. And the guy who's running it is my best friend and current advisor. Mm, Sounds pretty clean to me now, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) So Billy then announced he was going to buy Jimmy's share of the Carter Warehouse. Okay. The press asked him how much he would offer, and he said, quote, a bunch of goats. Are they like, uh, all right, Billy, it's getting a little too character-y. <laughs> Wait, where, this, uh, well, I'm just going to give him a ton of goats. No, literally, it just everywhere he goes and says stuff, everyone just laughs and writes it down. Like, it's right. just great. Billy said it. It's great. Um, but the offer. <laughs> what a great role! That's the role. You don't want to be president. Yeah. You want to be the presidential brother, and not anymore because it's just it's no, not anymore. So, when he did make an offer, we don't know what it was, but Kerbo rejected it. Okay. So Kerbo saying no, you can't buy out Jimmy. Okay. Now the town of Plains and the gas station takes off, and celebrities take notice. What? Hey, it's Jack Nicholson. Is this the Anakin? <laughs> Country singer Tom T. Hall. Mel Tillis came and visited. I don't know who these people are. Oh, really? Uh, Annie Leibovitz did a photo oh, shoot at the station oh, with, Margot, with Margot Hemingway and Billy. What? <laughs> what? 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 You can just Google Margot Hemingway and Billy... And pictures will come up of them. Of may them. I? You may. Wow. The, the uh, idea the that int- Annie Leibovitz <laughs> is at an Amico. And then, so she's got... Okay, hold on. Uh, Billy Carter. Let's see. Well, Dave, surprisingly, it doesn't come up in the search fast. Really? Uh, well, no, the, it didn't, it's like it didn't finish it off. Oh, my God. This is insane. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. What? It's insane. <laughs> the, the spread was in New West Magazine. Oh, it's a great publication. So uh, because oh. of all this, peop- people start coming from all over the U.S. to see this small southern town that has been romanticized by the press. That's right. We found something cute. Let's ruin it. <laughs> so, and they also want to see Billy. And sure. businesses in Plains actually changed the way they look to what the tourists wanted to see. Meaning? So, so they wanted to see old town, homey, sort of Norman Rockwell, sure. small town. So they actually, 
If they're not that, they actually change their stores to be that so people will come sure. in. Whoa, is that a big city credit card? Ma'am, you're not uh, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> Billy refused to change a thing. Quote, I couldn't believe how the press and tourists took to the gas station after Jimmy was elected president. I sure didn't do anything special to attract them other than maybe run off my mouth. Somebody suggested that we spruce the place up after Jimmy was in office like most businesses around town were doing. But I said I would shoot anybody who so much as laid a paintbrush on the place. Okie dokie. Okay, so a traditionalist. But, but yeah, but also, like, from what you're saying, that's, like, that's the perfect attitude. Because people are like, it's perfect, yeah. yes. And he, he rejects change. Yeah. He's so interesting. Some locals were worried about how much the town would change. Uh, that especially was true when a Canadian businessman uh, wanted to build an amusement park in Plains called Jimmy's Backyard. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Well, don't forget, there was, a t- there was a TV show on around this time called Carter Country that was supposed to be set like 20 miles away. It was about a police department in a small southern town. Called Carter Country? No affiliation. For, it ran for two years. It was on ABC. And, and it was, that it's, ba- it's basically based around their family? No, no it's just based just, on this is the place they're from. It's because of this town. Wow. So Billy fought anything like the amusement park, and at one point he and some others decided to go to Johnson City, Texas, to find out what had happened to President Lyndon Johnson's town. When okay. Billy came back... He told everyone, quote, this damn town's going to be a junkyard or worse yet, another Miami beach unless somebody can stop it. Wow. Such an interesting position to be in where you're like, stop liking me. Get out of here. Well, well, it's such a it's such a thing because, you know, people want to make money, but this is really at the expense of the soul of your town, which is I mean, yeah. Which is what happens yeah. everywhere. <laughs> everywhere, yeah. So that's what happened. Plains became one of the top tourist attractions in Georgia really quick. Wow. Open air buses drove through the small town full of tourists gawking at normal small town with its normal stores and red clay dirt roads. All right, and up here on the left, you will see some more. Normal people, but uh, they're obviously not normal like we are normal. Uh, right there, you see that they're just like us. They eat food. Uh, they have napkins, and they are wiping their mouths because they are eating. And some of them here are drinking, and they're looking at us funny because they don't really understand why we're here. But that's just the mind of one of the people in planes. That's just how oh, it works. Daddy, daddy, that one has a hat. That's right. And if you look closely, you'll see a few of these have hats on. And I'd be willing to bet that a few others actually have hats. They're just not wearing them. So you'll find a lot of relatability in some of these things. Now, can we take one home? Well, at the gift shop, you will be able to buy some of these people. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Again, we do it by pound. Um, so any of these people over here, actually that family there that's eating the corn dogs, we'll do a four, we'll do a, a four for three deal. I don't know if you know what that oh, is. They're great. That's where that you pay for that? four and get three. And the hat comes with them. Uh, the, uh, they will all be accessorized with bags, shoes, hats, and whatnot. It might even get a car out of the situation. I don't know. <laughs> Judging by the look of them, it might be a long shot. 
people, they, the town was so packed that people had, people started illegally double parking just to run in and grab a souvenir from a store. What is, we are the dumbest, we are just, such, <laughs> we are, the, we, I mean, what, like, why do we look at moths like their lives are pointless? It's all we do. <laughs> uh, I used to have a stand-up joke about that in my first act ever. can't remember what it was. Uh, look, but. if you're accusing me of stealing your first stand-up joke, yes, I did. It was something about moths flying around a light and how we all watch television all the time. I mean, it's, you know. <laughs> yeah, we do it, that all the time. Where I told you about the experience I had with Wally, right? Where I was, Ev- like, I had some gig with Evan, and we were, like, flying to New York, and while, and it was before, like, they'd put, like, the TVs, like, sometimes they had the TVs in the back of the seat, but we were getting flown first class, so I was like, this is the best, and they gave you the little TV, like, a little TV kit, essentially, so you would watch, like, a, a TV that you would, you know, pull out, and I'd never seen Wally, so I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna watch Wally, so I put on Wally, and I'm watching Wally, and as the f- dinner is served to me, I'm in a big reclined chair with a screen on my stomach while I shovel food into my mouth. And then, like, the scene where these fat people are riding around with the TVs and just eating came on, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... Uh, oh, God. Oh, 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 oh God. Oh, God. (laughs) The media started calling planes a national shrine. What? Everybody's the dumbest. Everybody just is so stupid and fuels everybody else's dumbness. Like, it can't just be a town. It it, it has to be. be... And you just can't just just leave it be. It's like, we, who wants to be a millionaire everything? We're like, what? It's cool. Let's go there. Let's ruin it. Let's make it the biggest thing. Now it's done. Next. Uh, so the biggest score of all was to see a Carter, any Carter. And of course the Billy was the easiest one to find cause he was at the gas station. Dave, in any way, does this remind you of your Pokemon go game? <laughs> yeah, a lot, quite a bit. Yeah. I caught a Billy. Oh no, there's a Billy in front of me. Get him. So Kerbo pushed Billy completely out of the warehouse business in September. Okay. Billy. Uh, this was a problem because Billy was super well liked by all the farmers in the area. And so then the farmers stopped using the warehouse uh, for their peanuts and the business started falling off. Mm-hmm. Rival warehouses popped up and the farmers were happy to go to them because Billy was gone. Kerbo then threw Billy under the bus to the press saying Billy was loose with money and not good with administration. Quote, Billy had never had anything more than a job at the warehouse. Which is not true, but like he had obviously, we know what he's done. He's had other jobs leading up to it. Sure. But also he was very successful with the warehouse. Uh, at, now he had been taking a $20,000 a year salary from the warehouse, but now that's gone. He's been pushed out. So he just lost, he's a guy with six kids who just lost, lost his business. income of 20000 which is right. a lot in, in 1976. That's a lot of, right. that's a, a right. decent amount of money. So he needs, he needs an income. Billy ran for the mayor of Plains in 1976, and he offered nothing. His sister Ruth, quote, no progress was his slogan, and his station still stands as an, an example of prosperity without progress in a town gone dolled up commercial for the tourists. Billy couldn't stand a, the thought of his... 
Billy couldn't stand the thought of his planes becoming Tinseltown, and he decided the best place to put the brakes on was in the mayor's office. He wasn't interested in politics. It was planes. Wow. I, what a gr- why, I mean, and politicians have been running on that slogan ever since, right? I mean, there is something to say. Uh, yes. I mean, it sounds like he's running. He's running. It's protectionism, right? He's, he wants to keep his, his small town the same. He doesn't want at, it being overrun by, and he's right, commercial interests and, and, and all the yahoos every, that come in. Look at, look at every city in this country. I mean, like where, I mean, we know, like, it's all the same. Like, it's all, beca- like, it's all, everywhere's just building up, building up, building up for this purpose of just being, you know. Well, the, the only place that, that has held out a little bit is a, a lot of the Northeast who, uh, who have, you know, put up roadblocks to these places and still have, Functioning small towns and stuff, but everywhere else is just a fucking disaster. Yeah, right. So he loses the mayoral election by twenty five votes. Jimmy what? came and Jimmy came and voted for him. How Billy did told he the, lose? I, well, Billy told. Well, I mean, everyone there knows him, so it's they also want to make the money. They don't want the brakes on. Right, right. Okay, they want right. the money. Billy told the press uh, uh, it was the anti alcohol vote that did him in. And quote, could you also plane, imagine? Oh, sorry, go ahead. And quote, planes is going to go to hell under Blanton, who, who was his who opponent. Was his opponent. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine having a president endorse a mayor in the town that the president's from? And I the, don't, I, he stayed out of it. He didn't endorse oh, him. Oh, he did. Oh, okay. he, he, he just came and voted for him. He didn't endorse him because oh, okay. he couldn't. He didn't okay. want to. He stayed out of it. Okay, because okay, because I was gonna. <laughs> but everyone knew he was endorsed. It's his brother. <laughs> yeah, but still, like, it's amazing that he didn't win. I'm shocked. Okay. Uh, he really only spent seven dollars for some Billy Carter Mayor T-shirts, and that's that was his whole output. That's our budget. But like I said, Billy basically became a celebrity overnight. He was the lovable first brother, honest matter of fact, which everyone seemed to love. His sister, Ruth, said it was making it hard for him. Quote, when I saw what the public was doing to Billy, I saw there was no way he could carry on a legitimate business. People are always wanting to speak to him. Tourists would walk right into his office, into his filling station. Within 10 minutes, there would be 100 tourists taking pictures of him. So Ruth told him that he needed to get an agent. What? Oh, my God. In 1968, Tandy Rice had started a promotion agency, Top Billing Incorporated, in Nashville. Okay. Signing music stars and others, he was soon Nashville's top promoter. Tandy said of himself, quote, What I am is the best damn salesman in Nashville, a show enough hoss. A show enough hoss? Wow. I'm a show enough hoss. <laughs> a show enough hoss right here. In February 1977, Tandy drove to Plains, Georgia, to talk to Billy. The I William mean, Morris being a talent agent, like, so your talent is essentially, I like to get drunk. I drink a lot. <laughs> and then I say and stuff. And outside I say of that, stuff. and I well, say some strange. I say strange things. I say things that have meaning to me. <laughs> and I hang out in an Amico. And I'm not willing to make the uh, trip to Nashville. So the William Morris agency had signed Gerald Ford's family to a promotional contract. So signing Billy made sense. It was like the next step. He saw, quote, 
raw celebrityhood in Billy. Oh God, yeah. uh, it's a Kardashian like <laughs> sensation. It is. Yeah. It it didn't take long to get Billy on board. They shook hands to seal the deal. No one had ever thought to market someone like Billy. Tandy was breaking completely new ground. Most Americans still believe Southern families were full of freaks. And then came a pious Southern president and his beer-drinking brother, a swearing, smoking, self-proclaimed redneck. Uh-huh. So it immediately became clear to Tandy that he had struck gold. Okay. And the people of Plains could not believe Billy was now a celebrity. Well, is he? I mean, he just signed with an agent. So, but but he's, like, already, he's, he's, he's already a, cele- a celebrity yes, he is in... The news has already made him a celebrity because why cover the actual issues that affect America when you can, you know, focus on the president's have a good time drunk brother? Yep. Fantastic. It became immediately clear. He struck gold. Uh, Billy filled the role perfectly. He understood he was a performer and he was performing. And the more he starts going out to do things as Billy the more he leans into it and leans into, into what the press dug about him. Okay. Always speaks his mind. He always tests limits. He, he started being paid $5,000 up front for an appearance. Wow. That's a lot of PBR. That really is. For, for yeah. that time period, that's oh, a God. lot of fucking money. Yeah. He uh, did a lot of grand openings for businesses like car dealerships. He was at county fairs. Sales promotion, weird award ceremonies like the Golden Wrench for America's Best Mechanic. Well, look, uh, obviously when they asked me to come and present at the Wrenchies, I said it would uh, be an absolute honor. Uh, But before we do that, let's uh, do an in memoriam to some of the great mechanics (laughs) that we lost this year. Now, uh, focus up on the screen over here, please. We'll miss you, Ray. How How the hell did they not do Scooter Thompson? Jesus Scooter, Christ. Scooter died, Scooter died at technically uh, this year. This is still a memorial from last year. Oh, please, that, no, moment, I'm sorry. Yeah, I silence, apologize. Uh, we all I was also, I, I was going to say old McMurphy, but he, they didn't find his body until last year, but they, he died the year before. He'll be on the next one. You've done this for most of them at the, the, year, the year after. Uh, obviously, the goat that Kerbo had lost him this year. So Objection. Yeah, what? This is not, no, not allowed to, nope. I would like to object. About what? I don't think goat should be a part of the, first of all, goat was not a mechanic, correct? Did the goat work on cars? The goat sat in a lot of cars. The goat's a hero. Okay? All right, now that's the end of In Memoriam. All right, now for the winner of this year's Wrenchie. Oh, my God. We've got all the nominees here. Oh, shit. My asshole's a quiver. And <laughs> also, television comes calling. Billy what? is what on the Phil, the Phil Donahue show. He is on the Merv Griffin show. He is on Tomorrow with Tom Snyder. Oh, my God. I mean... <laughs> the gas station business doubles. And it's not just Billy. Their cousin, Hugh Carter, who had a worm farm, said his business went up 25%. That's right. I went from making $15 a year to 20 That means that people are just like, let's get some worms. Like, what yeah. is happening that, that, you're, that you're 
you're selling more worms. Yeah. No, you've got to be, as a worm salesman, sort of like, yeah, I never thought I'd hit the big time. <laughs> you know they're in the soil. <laughs> Their sister, Gloria Carter Spann's book, sold over 35,000 copies, so they're all, they're all doing well. Okay. Billy, Billy's going all over the place. He gets invited to the Indiana Democratic Club banquet in March 1977. Okay. Uh, uh, to attend a cocktail party with Billy, Democrats, the local Democrats there, were charged a hundred bucks a head. Oh, here we go. And that's this is all going to the Democratic Party. I think he's just raising right. money for this one. Right. One woman had him sign an empty Pabst can. Okay. <laughs> she was sitting at the entrance waiting for him with a felt oh, please, tip pen. Billy, 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 sign my empty Pabst. <laughs> <sighs> uh. There was an ice sculpture of a gas pump. What? <laughs> While he was signing autographs and taking photos, Billy said, quote, I'm so damn drunk, I can hardly stand up. <laughs> <laughs> so he drinks a lot, right? I mean, this yeah. dude is drinking a ton. Yeah, he's putting him away. Okay. When he was asked if it was true that he wouldn't sleep in the Lincoln bedroom at the White House, he said, quote, that's exactly goddamn right. How do you expect a goddamn southern redneck to sleep in his goddamn bedroom? Okie doke, Billy. Loose lips. <laughs> Let's slow it down a little bit here. Uh, Good Lord. <laughs> at the uh, end of the banquet, they put beer in the trunk of his limo in case he wanted one on the drive to the airport. <laughs> which he did, surely. Yes, I'm sure he did. They do the same thing with Kreischer. That's <laughs> Uh, Billy was already such a big deal in 1977 that the Swamp Buggy Days in Naples, Florida, were moved up a month because Billy wasn't available in May. Wow. (laughs) They moved an entire event. Well, and it's also swamp. It's like you're, it's probably that way because of nature. (laughs) In April 77, Billy was in Oakland to throw out the first pitch of a. A's baseball game. The night before he spoke at a cocktail party for 400 season ticket holders. Carter Gilmore was there. He was a black Oakland City Council candidate and an NAACP official. Washington Post, quote, fueled by at least a half dozen sweating cans of perhaps blue ribbon and a glass of bourbon and water. Wow. So he's shit faced. He's having a good old time. During a speech, Billy said the reason he had the same last name as the first name of Carter Gilmore was because, quote, we all left a nigger in the woodpile somewhere. Oh, my God. What? And then everybody laughed. What? Because it was a joke. Hey. God now, damn. Yeah. Now, Carter Gilmore didn't hear it completely, and when he found out, he asked for an apology. So he didn't learn about it until... He said he didn't hear it well, because everyone, you know... And someone tells him later, after the party's over, and he's like, he asked for an apology. So the next day, before he throws out the pitch, Billy is asked about the whole situation. Quote, I would never say anything like that seriously. No offense meant. 
Well, there you go. There's your heartfelt apology. And then... And then said Gilmore had thought it was funny at the time and was now trying to get publicity. Okay. Okay. Well... Right? Like, who gives a shit? I mean, you know, like... (laughs) Yeah. This is... You're beyond saying sorry, so you should... That, in conjunction with the Lincoln bedroom quote, is, like, dicey, obviously. Yeah. Quote, I understand he's asking for an apology, but I ain't apologizing. And then Billy added, quote, I was drinking beer, but I was not drunk. That doesn't... That You should say you're drunk. I mean... So he goes to this event where there's clearly press and other people, he uses the N-word. And this doesn't slow down his paid appearances in the slightest. There's no hiccup. There's no nothing. Everything just keeps trucking along. He appears at contests like the World Champion Pole Climbing Contest in Kentucky and the All-Star Anything Goes hosted by Six Flags in Nashville. (laughs) The all I'm still, like, adjusting to what he said. But meanwhile, wait, wait, what's the Six Flags one? The All-Star Anything Goes, hosted by Six Flags. So I really tried to dig into this, because all I could find was pictures of it and no description, because everyone's like, why would I describe what the All-Star Anything Goes is? Everyone knows. Yeah. So Anything Goes was a show in which they would have normal people do crazy things for okay. caches and prizes. Sure. And then I think I think the All Star Anything Goes is the celebrity version of that, which they win money for charity. Okay. Either way, uh, I would not in this era signing up for a show called Anything Goes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he also went to the fourth annual Canadian Belly Flop Championships in Vancouver. They said we wouldn't come back a fourth year, but here we are. (laughs) Billy was invited to be a judge because they wanted more U.S. exposure. Because obviously they've killed it in Canada with the belly flop championships, and now they want to break in. Yeah, I mean, we just actually, I think we just did the 45th, so uh, it's exciting, to say the least. And of course, I mean, who better to legitimize your event than the drunk brother (laughs) of the president? The producers considered it a coup to get Billy. NBC Sports then came up to cover it. Now, the anarchist party of Canada was known for throwing pies at politicians. Okay. I'm going to read that sentence again. The anarchist party of Canada was known for throwing pies at politicians. Right. So the anarchists in Canada at this time have completely lost their fucking mind don't even know what being an anarchist is anymore and are just like crazy pranksters. Well, Dave, they always say if you push the line of anarchist far enough around the other bend is clown. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I think we might just be clowns. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Look at our shoes. How did this happen? Oh, my God. My shoes are huge. Yes, your shoes. All of our shoes are huge. Oh, my God. Look at my suit. And these disguises? Look at our red hair. Yeah. The white makeup? What is that even doing for us? Guys, we have failed. I really think we're clowns. We're part of the system. We're clowns. <laughs> and I'll be honest, 
I'm loving it. <laughs> Will you smell this flower? Yeah, of course. Ah, <laughs> yes. Uh, anarchism. Uh, yes. No, no, no. No, again, I think we've gone the other way. But yes, oh. yes. Okay. So as Billy was walking behind a pool, a man ran up to him and threw a pie. Okay. But the pie was deflected by a security guard, right? See? Interesting. That guy's doing that's his job. He's taking, he's taking a pie. Yeah. He's taking a pie. Ah, get him to safety. <laughs> when Billy realized the pie was meant for him, he completely lost it. He yelled, quote, let me at him. I want him. And then had to be restrained by security and onlookers. They held that's, Billy down. That's how you be an anarchist. That's right. They held Billy down for about a minute. And when they let him go... Billy ran and jumped a small wall and ran to the hotel parking lot looking for the pie-throwing anarchist. (laughs) A security guard chased Billy and stopped him, pinning his arms and holding him until he calmed down. When he was finally let go, Billy went back to looking for the pie-thrower. So security stopped Billy from Billy. Yeah. And he went on some sort of Fugitive-like mission for That's the right. one-armed man. Yeah, he, okay. he. Yeah, I mean, he he was not stopping till they got the pie man. Uh huh. Okay. It was it was like it, he turned this event into death wish for pie throwers. It sounds like an American went to a Canadian event. <laughs> <laughs> at the uh, at the. Belly flop championships. Billy also yeah, Dave, lost. Don't, 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 don't take us off course. What happened at the belly flop competition? Billy also lost an arm wrestling contest to current belly flop champion. So he, he the guy who won, he then challenged him to an arm wrestling contest. Sure. And, and lost. Lost. And at one point, Billy dove into the pool fully clothed with a rose in his teeth and a beer in one hand. Uh, it's just, uh, guys, he's, I'm not over his discretions, but he's really trying. <laughs> October 17th, 1977, Billy was paid somewhere between five dollars and $10,000 to show up at Miss Piggy's Pizza Beauty Pageant in Boston to judge. Oh. Dave, A- what I'm learning is that this is the era of too many contests. <laughs> A female reporter asked him, uh, quote, is there anything you won't do for money? And Billy responded, quote, yes, but if you proposition me, I'll do it for free. Billy? Well, Billy was super into uh, going after feminists and saying a woman's place was at home cooking, and that was one of his uh, deals. When asked what he would be looking for in a beauty contest, quote, front and back. Okay. Sure, <laughs> sure. Pretty. Yeah. But I mean, that's essentially what they were then, right? I mean, that was like. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, and this, none of this stopped him from doing high profile gigs, appearing on Hollywood Squares and Hee Haw multiple times. Jesus Christ. Hee Haw was probably like, sign this man to a lifetime contract. <laughs> when asked if he had any concern about making money off Jimmy's name, he said, quote, I campaigned for Jimmy all over the South. It's kind of a swap. And when asked if he would make more money than Jimmy in October of 77, 
for the year, Billy said, quote, hell, I already have. Which was, which was the truth. Yeah, it was the yeah, absolute course, truth. Yeah. And with That's his business gone, with, his, with being forced out of the business and not being able to buy it, this is what he had to do. Yeah, if, right, right. If Billy had been allowed to take over the business, this wouldn't be happening. So Kerbo did this all. Kind of. And Billy and Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, it's not like Kerbo did that in a blind trust. Right. I mean, Billy signed oh. a deal with Melvin, Simon, and Associates. Of course, you know what they do. They build yep. shopping, shopping centers and malls. They build shopping centers and malls, exactly. Yep. Yep. So the name is he synonymous became, with that. Billy became one of their star attractions for shopping center openings. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, God. This is also something that Ed McMahon was uh, a big part of. Dave, I'm not kidding. Very oh, quickly, no. this is a true story. <laughs> I, okay, long story short, my friend Ryan decided his basement was going to be called Club Foot. Uh, and we were going to hang out in there and like drink in there, like drink like Billy Carter. And uh, I was doing something like some comedy sports related thing at a mall. And, uh, and then so, so I went up to Ed McMahon and asked him at this autograph signing if he would sign an autograph to Club Foot. And the look on his face, <laughs> I, I mean, I was young, but I was like, okay, sorry, mister. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So uh, at one mall opening in East Texas... There was Ed McMahon, Smokin' Joe Frazier, Billy Carter, and Grizzly Adams. Wow. It's a real who's not. Wow. For a mall opening. Wow. I mean, that's insane for a mall opening. Billy and Smokin' Joe Frazier had a boxing match. What? Billy, Billy? Billy, wore, <laughs> Billy wore a black... Satin boxing robe that said Plains Pounder on the back. I mean, it's not a real boxing match, obviously. It's all fake, Still. but what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, what is happening? What, what about the stores? Uh, so Billy was sort of, at this point, like an ambassador to the South for the rest of the country. But at the same time, Southerners debated whether the Car- Carters actually represented Southern culture. Okay. So biggest, Billy's biggest project started in 1977. Louisville beer maker Falls City had really fallen on hard times because big national brands were taking over. So Falls City reached out to and then struck a deal with Billy to market his own brand of beer. Sources said Billy got 50000 a year to license his name and promote it. Billy picked the beer. The company made some test batches, and Billy picked his favorite Billy quote, maybe well, I'll become the... By the way, the... that's a dream job for Billy. So, yeah. Billy, today you're going to drink a bunch of beer and tell us which one you like. And then we're <laughs> going to name it after you. <laughs> oh, boy, somebody pinch me. Billy quote, maybe I'll become the Colonel Sanders of beer. Uh, good Lord, that's not what you want. <laughs> the beer was named... Beer was named Billy Beer, and it was announced. <laughs> Billy Beer. It was immediately apparent there would be a lot of demand. And Fall City Brewery would not be able to keep up. So Fall City licensed the Billy Beer brand and formula to three other brewers. 
The mayor of Plains declared October 31st, 1977, Billy Beer Day. Well, that's nice, because that's the guy who beat him. And then Falls City held an event oh, in Plains. Oh, Falls City, sorry. Okay, wait, they held an event? No, where? no, no. Plains oh, it is, is, Plains is oh, okay. where it is. Okay. And then okay. Falls City is the brewery. So yeah, Falls yeah, City, right. um, they hold an event. There's hot air balloon rides, bands, a songs inspired by Billy Beer competition, peanut <laughs> shelling competitions, and peanut relay races. Entire Carter family is there, everyone in the family. Even Billy's mom wore a Billy Beer t-shirt, and the Billy Beer t-shirt would become very well known. So it's this huge marketing event. Okay. Billy Beer hits the market in October, uh, sorry, in November 1977, and people rush to get it. (laughs) It's a 12-pack. It has a photo of Billy and his gas station buddies drinking Billy Beer on it. Wow. It only comes in cans. Uh-huh. Each had Billy's signature and a quote. I had this beer brewed just for me. It's the best beer I've ever tasted, and I've tasted a lot. But this in is... actuality, the beer is horrible tasting. It is oh, wow. terrible, terrible beer. <laughs> well, that's not smart. <laughs> At Billy Beer promotional events, he'd say the company lied about how great it tasted, and then he'd get shit-faced and tell reporters he actually still drank Pap's Blue Ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Truly, there's not a cage to hold this man. We cannot build a prison to contain Billy Carter. I'll still drink Pap's if I'm being honest. Billy, hey, can we talk to you for a little while about what's going on? Not now. I mean, this company just got so into the marketing, they just, they just spent no time on making a decent beer. Which, but you would think that he would, like... I know. You know, be, like, meticulous about that. I mean, if there's, yep. it seems like the only thing he has passion about. Yep. So, despite all of this stuff that's going on, Billy and Jimmy are still close. There's no attempt to distance Billy... Billy it still goes to the White House. He once invited a friend to meet him at the White House. Okay. Uh, Doug. Doug Carter. Ring the doorbell. From, Doug, Doug Carter from Florida, who they met uh, during a campaign and just decided since he was, had the same last name, they would be friends. Yep. No, that's how it works. That's why you're only friends with Anthony's. That's right. Doug asked, uh, sorry, uh, Billy asked Doug if he wanted a drink, which surprised Doug because... Jimmy had banned all alcoholic drink. drink. There's no drinking in the White House. Uh-huh. He's, very, he's very religious. So Billy just laughed and took Doug into the pantry, reached behind a stack of cans, and pulled out a fifth of Jack Daniels. Oh, my God. This is the, this two, is the dream role. The dream role is presidential sibling. Yeah. The two men then had a snort and went... To an upstairs balcony, they sat with their feet up on the railing, drinking and watching tourists pass by at the White House. <laughs> and the tourists were like, um, wait a minute. <laughs> that is brother drunk? I couldn't find it, but he also at one time smoked pot and at the White House and then what? said it that he did. Yeah. What a great place to sneak a J. That is just, they say Willie yeah. Nelson, too. It's weird now that uh, it seems that the White House is just 100% fueled by speed, but that's Yeah, co- co- cocaine, by the way, different energy we're learning. 
different yeah, energy is, with the amphetamines. The entire RNC was fueled by uh, cocaine. Something and was speed. going on. Something. Yeah, was it was going it was crazy to watch. Billy's wardrobe became a thing because the people paying him to promote wanted him to wear specific clothing and usually T-shirts that advertised their product. Well, that's logo T-shirts were now super big, right? So that's what everyone was doing. Okay. Sometimes he wore costumes. He dressed as a bear for Herman's shoes. He wore a white suit and white top hat for a balloon ride in Springfield, Illinois. On a talk show, he was given a jester type hat that was made completely out of beer tabs. Oh my God. And he just does anything. And he wore it with a matching beer tab vest. Like, yeah, he's just putting on, he's just like, who gives a shit? I'm making $5,000. Hey, look out. I'm a big, scary bear. Buy your shoes here. Hey, I'm a bear. Buy your shoes here. Hey, I say I'm a buy your shoes here. (laughs) So like I said, logo t-shirts are a thing. Uh, but he's also not, and so he's wearing a lot of those, but he's not against throwing on a leisure suit, which are also popular. He had a very uh, noticeable and beautiful lime one that he wore a lot. Uh, Dave, I mean, really, wardrobe-wise, this guy is just pulling at my heartstrings. <laughs> <laughs> he wore shirts that said Redneck Power and Redneck Ambassador. Well, I don't know if he's... So this leads to Redneck becoming... Fashionable during the Carter administration. Oh, good. Part of which is due to Billy Carter. Redneck chic is born. Oh, dear. White Americans across the country start using affected fake southern drawls and dressing in Levi's and cowboy boots. Oh, God. What a weird... It's, 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 uh, he, this leads to Urban Cowboy, the movie. This leads right. to... It's, it's the bull riding in the bars. It's all that shit. Right. God damn. Billy was what the country thought was real Southern identity. Now, Billy becomes a regular on the farmer redneck comedy show Hee Haw that we talked about earlier. So now he's uh-huh. just on all the time. Sure. Billy actually would drive up attendance and ticket sales at events. In 1977, he was the honorary starter of the Atlanta 500 NASCAR race. Wow. Now, sometimes the White House was upset with Billy, but pretty much most of the time they didn't seem bothered by it. When he spoke around the country, Jim would, Jim would make jokes about Billy and get laughs. Right. Y'all well, see my brother, said, my, brother, my brother might be actually keeping a different pace than I am, but that's him. <laughs> At one point he said, uh, I was looking for a, a job for Billy, and I... Looked at head of the FBI or CIA, but we wanted something that he could spell. <laughs> okay. All right. Sure. But again, Billy's really smart. So anyway, right. Billy makes a, doy, a deal with a toy car maker, uh, Ravel, to make toy Billy pickups. So they gave him an actual truck that's the same as the toy truck for promotional purposes. And the slogan is, quote, whether he's on service runs or just running around town, he does it in style with his redneck power pickup. So they made a Billy Carter toy pickup truck for children? Yeah. And the man is like a public racist alcoholic? Yeah. An anti-feminist. Be like Billy when you grow up. Sometimes Billy's driving around town. Sometimes Billy driving around town drunk. But everybody still loves him. Yeah, it's very... It's, it's, he's, it's, 
It's a different time. Yes, for sure. People, uh, people who don't understand. So around this time, there is a commercial running on television that is uh, a, a guy. I don't know who made it, but it's, it's a guy who's saying, look, I used to drink five, six packs a day and think it was just beer. But I am an alcoholic. Like, they actually had to make an ad to tell people you could be an alcoholic if you drank beer. Yeah. So it's just a different fucking time. I remember, we've, wait, got, Billy, we've got Billy Martin. Wait, we've got... Wait, impossible to have to be an alcoholic if you only drink beer? Is, the, is what you're saying? That, that was what people thought. <laughs> they thought you couldn't be an alcoholic if you just drank beer. And Billy Carter came along and they were like, well, it turns out... Um, <laughs> Now, Billy actually considered himself a good old boy and not a redneck. He once explained the difference, quote, a good old boy is someone that rides around in a pickup truck, which I do, and drinks beer and puts him in a litter bag. A redneck's one that rides in a truck and drinks beer and throws him out the window. Well, there's an enormous difference. There's, well, but what he's essentially explaining is a class divide in the South, right? Right. You can look down upon these people, but not others. But also, other people in the family considered redneck to be a uh, something to be pr- uh, proud of. Right. Okay. So, mm. the, but the redneck label that he uses is more, you know, for publicity. Right. His love of beer called him to uh, uh, now led him to now be called the beer drinking king of America. <laughs> Enjoying quite a title. <laughs> Enjoying beer and pushing Billy beer was often reported in the news, and these would sometimes include Billy taking a leak in public. Oh, my God. What? What? I mean, somebody needs to step in and be like, Billy, no, no. (laughs) Like, he's just got free reign. His brother could pardon him for anything. So he's like, all right, well, that's right. A woman's place in the kitchen. Y'all about to see my dick. <laughs> While his sister tried to reason that he liked beer because his mother had to drink three a day after he was born, Billy what? just cut. Billy just cut to the heart of it. "Quote: I just like beer." Don't the uh, the doctor Doctor Wise's medical decisions are not aging amazingly well. <laughs> he embraces the beer drinking label. He's using a beer can tab as the image on his business card. He's just all in with beer. In October seventy eight. Falls City Brewery announced the brewery was closing down. The real problem was that they went all in on Billy Beer, and it was a horrible tasting beer. People would buy it once, but not twice. It was a one-off so it's beer. Like, it's like E.T. the video game, the beer. <laughs> That's right. Falls City blamed the, the failing Carter administration. Quote, it sank with the popularity of the president. Well, Dave, but that's why they say don't get involved in presidential beer politics. That's right. It's, I mean, yeah. it's an old saying for a reason. Yes, and it is as true as ever. Now, while Billy understand how to promote, he really didn't seem to understand why the public liked him so much. He told Penthouse Magazine. Now, again, this is the president's brother being interviewed by Penthouse Magazine. Sure, right, which is normal. Yeah, this is right before he did Jugs, yeah. the interview on yeah. Jugs. Yeah, no, yeah. He was just like, all right, you all got to get moving. I got Hostler jugs, barely 18, spread them. I'm doing brown hole. And then I'm doing doing brown hole. 
I'm doing all the big ones today. I'm doing Ron Mr. Hall's sending one of their best investigative journalists. Mr. Taint. And by the way, he, uh, do not keep him waiting. He is taint to wait. He told Penthouse Magazine, quote, I don't know how to describe the appeal, but I think people can't believe a president's brother can be like I am. He's got to be, I mean, truly, like, for your job to be like, I'm just kind of a shithead. And he's not even a shit, not saying he's a shithead. Obviously, like you said, he's smart and stuff. But he also just is drunk all the time and just says abhorrent things. Yeah, I think that he is, uh, he's sort of that mean, meanish, drunk. He's, he's the white, he's the white guy who talks shit about everybody else and makes classless jokes and everyone's right. like, you know, he's sort of a Fox News version of uh, You know guy. what he is? This is what he is. He's the lighten up guy. Yes. Yes. You know, like the guy who like says stuff and you're like, hey, don't talk like that. Oh, come on, lighten up. What are you, t- could lighten up. I don't mean it. It's, it's a joke. Like, yeah. In the interview with Penthouse Magazine, he also took a swipe at Charles Kerbo, the man in charge of the trust. Quote, mm-hmm. He's about the dumbest bastard I ever met. <laughs> well, I mean, Penthouse's only reporter must have been like, wow. <laughs> Some Atlanta businessmen at this time wanted to set up a Libyan trade council, so they sought out Billy. Well, let me tell you who's <laughs> not to be at the front of your Libyan trade council. But it's just so amazing that it has nothing to do with who you are as a person. It's just the right. connections you... Like, capitalism will get in bed with fucking Satan if Satan yeah. knows someone on the other side of the door. Right. Like, this right. is not a man you should ever be in business with based on the shit that he's said and done, and yet it doesn't fucking matter. If you have a connection, they don't fucking care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually counterpoint you on this, Dave, because the second that I started to hear this story, I thought Libyan ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> so in September of 1978, Billy took a trip to Libya. All expenses paid by the Libyan government. Now, we should point out that Qaddafi's in charge. The Libyan government is very much seen in America as a terrorist totally. state. Right. Reagan's going to bomb it. You know, there's a lot of they, 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 the Scotland plan they take down. Like, so, right. Billy says he didn't get any other form of payment on the trip, though Libya did give him a $25,000 silver studded saddle, which was actually on a horse. And then he took the saddle and left the horse in Libya. Well, yeah. Oh, wow. So he stripped it. Uh, that sounds a bit like a gift. <laughs> Carter's warehouse had slumped under uh, Kerbo, and he decided to sell it. Kerbo told the press, quote, I could have sold it some time ago to foreigners, but there's been enough bad publicity about it already without selling to them. Kerbo then, emphasized, Kerbo then emphasized he would not sell to Arabs. All right, Kerbo, <laughs> enough talking into the mic. Move away, Kerbo. Okay, but remember, this is when everyone hates... Arabs. It's just, everyone's just right. flat out, very open. We're talking about the OPEC oil embargo. Uh-huh. Like, everyone just hates. So this is just standard how so, people so, talk. But, 
but then the idea that Billy Carter is going over there is is very strange. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, during all this time, uh, Kerber oversaw the trust. Like I said, he's still Carter's, Jimmy Carter's main advisor and best friend. Okay. So. Right. Defeats the entire purpose of a blind trust. So as far as Billy talking shit about Kerbo publicly, Kerbo came back at Billy. He said Billy was still upset about being out of the $20,000 salary. He had six kids, a huge spending problem, and had built a big house he couldn't afford. Kerbo said Billy had tried to own his own farm, and that failed. He could still draw money from the company because he had a percentage in it, and he recently had borrowed 148000 and then Kerbo said to the press, quote, Billy has a drinking problem. Oh, God damn, Kerbo. Going in hard. Well, he didn't like, he didn't like being called the dumbest bastard ever. So, <laughs> well, but man, he came out with a family fucking secrets. Like, he just dropped yeah, them all. He really, yeah, he just dropped some bombs. A few months later, a Libyan delegation visited the U.S. and came to Plains, Georgia. Okay. Yeah, it's one of, one of... One of a few cities they... They were probably like, boy, they have greatly overstated the wealth of this country. <laughs> it's one of a few cities they visited, and Billy obviously shows them around. So while, so while Billy is waiting for the delegation at the Atlanta airport, he took a leak on the side of an airport building while the press watched. What is going <laughs> on? Just... This is, imagine seeing like Trump's brother was pissing in a bush. You just be like, wait, what is happening? Yeah, Trump's brother's drunk and he's just pissing in the bush. <laughs> the ant- and I mean by bush, I mean George W.'s mouth. The, the Anti-Defamation League denounced Billy's association to Libya, and Billy responded, quote, there's a hell of a lot more Arabians than there is Jews. Hey, Billy. <laughs> We're going to put you on what we call a word count. Uh, the, the, next day, wow. the next day when you know, the press came back at him for that quote, he said, the Jewish media tears up the Arab countries full time. And then he lavished praise on Gaddafi. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, now he's like Dennis Rodman uh, going to North Korea. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Billy went back to Libya in night, and this this obviously caused a huge fucking thing, right? And then he goes sure, back to yeah. Libya in early 1979, This time with Sybil, his son, buddy, and some friends. He was told before he went to register as a foreign agent with the Department of Justice, but he refused to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, registering was a must do if if you're going to do business with a foreign government to promote them, right? And Billy okay. said, quote, I ain't a foreign agent in spite of this crap. We ain't took a damn dime, babe. Sure. Billy, that's not legally clearing you. <laughs> sure, babe. The FBI, when he returns, the FBI immediately starts following Billy. Okay. The State Department publicly objected to him representing a terrorist government. All right. Things are good. Things are good. Congress begins discussing an investigation into Billy and Libya. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, all of this is really bad business for the business of Billy Carter. He lost an upcoming gig on the Hollywood Squares. 
And then other appearances start to be canceled. The Atlanta Journal wrote an editorial saying, quote, Billy Carter isn't funny anymore. He's getting to be downright dangerous. This is, I mean, this is, this, I mean, really, this is a microcosm of celebrity. This is what, this is why you don't elevate everybody and why you don't, uh, you know, fuel the flames of this sort of behavior because it does well, it's you're creating a monster and then eventually you're just going to be like ah, nah, you're too rude yeah well i mean look the guy this is also just such a like the way this country thinks is the guy's using racial slurs and he's saying anti-semitic things and he's bashing women left and right but when he goes and hangs out with libya then he's the bad guy Right, right, but when he was yeah, when he was talking shit about all the the people so, in America who are oppressed, uh, that's fine, right? So true. So there's that nothing is, in his ca- is, there's nothing in his character that's that's different from what he is. No, and that is it's still it's still this that's still the same. Yeah. Where yeah. So all of this, like he's lost all of his gigs. He he's now being investigated. This all leads to Billy realizing that he's an alcoholic. And okay. on March 6, 1979, he checks himself into the Long Beach Naval Hospital for treatment of alcohol abuse, and Billy Carter sobers up. Wow. In 1980, the Senate... I, I said what? <laughs> I did what? <laughs> they made a beer after me? Uh... I wish I could try it. No, you don't. You wonder if he was a blackout drunk because being a blackout drunk in front of the press must be the craziest thing to get up every day and read about what you did in the paper. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, I mean, but it's also like, you know, alcoholism on that level. Like, it definitely affects your memory just in general, too, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So in 1980, the Senate held hearings to investigate Billy's relationship with Livia. The press named it Billy Gate. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Billy said it was just a business deal to buy oil through a legit company, which other American companies were doing. That's my favorite thing about um, American laws against doing business with terrorists, except we're happy to buy their oil. Yeah, of course. That's a big, big component in the uh, foreign (laughs) policy, it turns out. So what he had received was $200,000 in cash from Libya, but Billy said it was a loan against future deals. Uh, I have five saddles on layaway (laughs) with him. Congress, after after their hearings and investigation, they find no criminal conduct. So there's no criminal charges, but they did conclude Billy had shown, quote, bad judgment. Oh, I love, way to go, Congress, always. <laughs> just so fucking good at your job. Yeah, we'll just task force our way out of this again. Uh, he agreed to register as a foreign agent and declared the 200000 as payment for services instead of as a loan. So he did do wrong. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound So like he it. did wrong. So just what so we're understanding, like- he did do wrong. He didn't sign up to be. Yeah, but I didn't do anything. No, <laughs> Congress I didn't do wrong. found him innocent no. of something he was clearly guilty of doing. 
No, that's not, that's not the way I choose to uh, view it, actually, sir. So his promo gigs were completely over. His income plummeted. And then the IRS came asking f- for the taxes he should have paid on the 200000 Right. He's out of money. He has no money. He can't pay them. So in 1981, yeah. Billy had to sell his gas station, his house, and his other assets. Oh, God. The new gas station owner sold Billy Carter souvenirs. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. It's nice to see that, like, when capitalism is your undoing, they're still like, don't worry, there's capitalism behind. Uh, that business also failed, as did every other business that tried to take over the gas station. After 1981, Billy would speak at alcoholism prevention events, and he often started his speeches with, quote, I was once the most famous drunk in the United States. I mean, that's really got to be something, being an alcoholic yeah, and being yeah. that, like you're known for being an alcoholic and then you have to sober up. Like, it's just got to be such a crazy. It's got to be a very, I mean, it's like you feel like, I wouldn't even say like embarrassment, but whatever. You feel like regret that it gets, but to publicly have to go through all that is just very crazy. And look, let's be honest. At the time, you're considered a pussy if you sober up. That's just what right. there was no, there was no. Oh, cool! That's good on you for sobering right. up. It was. I respect you, right? Yeah, people were probably like throwing six packs at him. Like Billy, have one. Absolutely. I mean, it it truly makes your life. It's harder to quit. You're associated with beer. You've had your own beer. You're a celebrity. Everybody's going to try to get you to drink. Yeah. In 1981, classified ads started appearing in newspapers around the country, offering one thousand dollars for unopened six packs of Billy beer. <laughs> now, people who happen to have an old six-pack started thinking they could make them a lot of money. And then, a couple weeks later, the exact same paper would run another ad from someone who had a six-pack of Billy Beer that they were offering to sell for just $200. So it's clearly a scam. A guy is making people think it's worth more and then trying to get them oh, to buy it for he's, 200 he's, he's newspaper ad inflating? Okay. Yeah, he's just, yeah. so it's right. a scam. Okay. But now a lot of people think Billy Beer is gold. Oh, God. The New York Times printed a story that had a can collector saying Billy Beer was only worth around 50 cents or a buck a can, but then someone wrote in a letter to the editor saying he had just been offered $600 for a six-pack. Wow. So even though the New York Times is trying to bust this myth that it's not worth any money, people are still trying to value something that's not worth anything. You know, it's actually why I put all my money in Billy coin. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And remember, this is a time when men, and my father was one of them, but a lot of men, were collecting Playboy magazines because they were all convinced that a full set of Playboy magazines would be worth tons of money in the future. <laughs> I've got your nest egg right here, boy. <laughs> That's a down payment on a house for you right there. My dad called me when I was in college. and He's like, what happened to the Playboys? I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, there's something missing. I'm like, yeah, my friends. We, we, we were fucking jerking off. We, like, I gave them out. Like, it was... I was. Yeah, what, I'm sorry. What, you left. You left cocaine around a Trump. What do you expect? 
So Billy, after he loses his house and everything, he leaves Plains and he goes to work uh, for Tildewell Industries in Alabama. It's a mobile home ma- manufacturing uh, place. He's a salesman. Okay. In 1982, he moves to Waycross, Georgia. He's uh, he's up in promotion for a mobile home business, and then in 1984, he moves back to Plains. His mother and sister, Ruth, died in 1983 of pancreatic cancer. And then in 1987, Billy was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. While in the hospital, he wrote his memoirs. He said he always took pride in being honest, and that's what made him cringe when he thought of his endorsement of Billy Beer. Quote, it's the best beer I ever tasted. That's a lie, of course. It was the worst stuff I ever tasted. You had to be an alcoholic to drink it. Well, he knows his demo. He knows his demo, and also, like, with all the shit you've done, the shit you've yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. So he died yeah. of pancreatic cancer at the age of 51 on September 25th, 1988. Billy was buried in a pair of jeans, a shirt, and a pink sports coat with no tie on. His friend, Tom T. Hall, asked everyone to remove their ties at the wedding, and they did, including Jimmy Carter. At the funeral, right. And Except people, for Jimmy Carter? What? No, even did you Jimmy. Say Jimmy even, Carter removed? He did, even oh, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. And people still thought Billy Beer is worth money, even though it clearly had no value. Sellers found people who were dumb enough to buy it for a lot, thinking it was worth so much more. In 1988, the New York Times reported a couple in West Virginia bought an unopened sealed case for $2,000. Oh, my God! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Currently, a can, unopened can of Billy Beer goes for about eight bucks on eBay. I, Dave, I want, I'm going to order some. <laughs> I mean, there's a wow. whole, what? there's, there's a whole time period, which isn't really covered. And, and, um, it, it's the drunken, it's the fine with drunk guys period. And I got to say, uh, I found Drunk History be an abhorrent show. Uh, there's people whose lives have been ruined by alcoholism, and I don't think it's any different than having a show called Heroin History. Um, it's just, I don't know. To me, it's just fucking gross. So we still do it in certain ways. We still... Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's... Well, this country promotes... I mean, the this... Yeah, truly. I mean, the, the fact that the struggle for legalization of marijuana took yeah. and continues to struggle, and, uh, and yet nationwide alcohol is not only accepted, but heavily promoted. Yeah. It just, I mean, yeah, it's just like anything else. It's like once the money shows up, who gives a shit about your feelings? That's why I always love when like, beer commercials are like, and make sure you have a designated driver. It's like, go fuck, fuck you, <laughs> you asshole. But at, this time, shit. but at this time, all sports had a drunk guy. Everybody knew, you know, what right. R- Riggins for football, uh, literally passing out at the White House under a table when, the, when he went there for the Washington Redskins uh, victory what? dinner. Yeah, he passed out under a fucking table. Like, this was just a time of just drunken buffoons, yeah. and everybody was just like, okay, you know, that's who they are. Well, at least we have White Claw now, which has been a fun loophole. I mean, look. Uh, no, that is. It's very true. Yeah, it's... But good for him for sobering up. I think, like you said, 
Yeah. He's a guy who, you know, someone ran across the street to give him a six pack. So he had to deal with that while he was sober and he stayed sober that we, as far as we know. Uh, so that's impressive, but really, no, that's what they say happened with, with Farley is that he, you know, even when he was trying to get himself sober, it meant he couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. If you went anywhere, people would not only try to buy you a drink, but once you said you weren't drinking, they would f- try to f- force a drink. Yeah. Um, Wow, that is crazy. I did not know. And then Jimmy Carter now is 105 and still building houses. Yeah, he's super old, and uh, he's, he's one of the fucking good ones. I mean, look, he did, yeah. he did bad shit when he was a president. They all do. But he's, yeah. he's definitely, hands down, the greatest ex-president in American history. Right. Without a doubt. Yeah, and you see, you, your words are delicately used there because if he was any better, he would have been killed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not, you know? he's not yeah. hanging out with billionaires and, you know, that shit. He's building houses for poor people. Oh, that's what he should have called his beer. Billionaires. <laughs> oh, my God, that would have been great. <laughs> billionaires. Or his own currency. It was a trip. Uh, wow, crazy. So let me, let me, let's just talk about when we're doing the Roger Clinton episode because I'm salivating. Oh, my God. I should do a Roger Clinton one. I'm, I'm curious. I don't, I, like, I, my guess is, like, presidential politics siblings obviously became a bigger issue because of Billy. Well, he... And so, like, Roger Clinton is, was distanced. I wonder the last time Bill Clinton talked to Roger Clinton. At this point, I feel like... Bill Clinton is legally a Martian. I thought, I thought he was uh, Hillary's brother. No, Roger is Bill's brother. If you see them. What? Roger, Roger looks like if you smush Bill Clinton and Billy Ray Cyrus together. But didn't Hillary also have a brother that was... Uh, one, of them was a, one of them was a cocaine guy. Is that Roger? He was a partier. Roderick, James Roderick. Is that Hillary Clinton's brother? I mean, oh, he was arrested on drunk driving. It's his half-brother. He was arrested for drunk driving in 2016. Oh, oh Hill- so there's an update. Hillary's brother is dead. Well, can't drive drunk then. But he had fights over child support, and he was the same thing. He was getting into business he shouldn't be in. And that's the thing, like, well, people are going to learn about it soon because Trump will use it. But, you know, Biden's family is, is uh, sort of on this. Not, not this, but you know, his son's amazing, and his brother's just deep in shit like politicians always have these really fucked up (laughs) fucked up families yeah right yeah well and maybe the connection is that you're willing to totally sell out you know yeah maybe you don't feel like that connection you know um but that's still no excuse for what this uh country's turned into huh what do you mean uh just how uh great everything is going really feels like we're at a well, the good thing good. is, is if you just vote, it'll all uh, work itself out. Oh, that is the best one. That is the best one. Just, just it, because it is true. It would be nice. It would be nice if that was it. You know, it would be. But this year, it's not. Yeah, it's just. Uh, here we go. <laughs> buckle up. This is definitely buckle up time. All right. Yeah, we did it. Getting some Billy Bear. Uh, we we uh, drive cars? Is that what we say? We drive cars? 
Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 